You're listening to the Enneagram at Work podcast, a show about understanding people at work, including yourself. I'm your host, Sarah Wallace, and I'm looking forward to diving into this week's episode with you. Welcome back to another episode here on the Enneagram at Work podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wallace. If you happen to be listening to this as as the episodes are released and you're living in the United States and celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you had a great holiday. Um, I hope it wasn't too stressful. And if it was stressful, I hope that you have found some time to recharge and relax and and recuperate from whatever might have happened. Regardless of where you're at and... You know, where you're at in the United States and, and what holidays you you celebrate. We have some holidays. We have a lot of holidays coming up. And uh, that usually means a lot of family time is coming up. So we won't be talking about using the Enneagram with your family specifically, at least not this year. I think that's a great idea as I say that out loud right now. Um, but in in my workshops, we'll talk about that, yes, you know, we're here to learn about each other, ourselves, our manager, the people that we lead. But it's also an intention that you walk out of here with a nugget or two, um, so, some helpful, meaningful insight about the people that um, are waiting for you at home or your family, um, friends, family, and, and your personal life that you can use the Enneagram uh, with. And so I'll, I'll say the same for you here. I hope that this year, um, this podcast has given you some some sort of insight, uh, maybe a meaningful conversation starter to take back to your friends and family in your personal life um, beyond just work. Obviously, I hope that it's helping you understand those that you work with, uh, but obviously um, also those beyond work. And uh, we're going to be having a lot of those opportunities with the holidays. So um, with that, speaking of looking forward to things, I have two more workshops left this year, and they happen to be back-to-back. I have one um, coming up in San Francisco, and then uh, my last one is out in Dallas. So both really warm places. Um, so, uh, I'm out here in Louisville, Kentucky, and we are getting the cold weather. We haven't got snow yet, um, but it, it is getting cold. So looking forward to some of those um, warmer, I don't think hot, uh, but warmer temperatures on those trips and looking forward to meeting those teams. And uh, I will say the plans for 2024 are already in motion. And so I have um, I've already been talking to, to teams who are planning their their new year, their spring, their mid-year off-sites. And so if that happens to be something that you are looking for some education, some entertainment, or some longer um, programming around team building, um, tapping into talent, developing your your new managers, developing your leadership. Um, I'd love to have a conversation. So you can start over at EnneagramMBA.com. We have our workshop opportunities and then our team intelligence programs, which range from three, six, 12 months. Um, and then obviously, we can customize as well. So um, with that, let's get into the episode. Uh, This episode is a two-part series. Today, we are talking about strengths and specifically um, what 
where each type might really shine when they're using those strengths. So looking at making it really specific and and pretty practical. Um, And then part two, we're going to be talking about what it might look like when those strengths get overused. And so this is some some wording that I've I've just started using, I'd say in the last three months or so. I used to say in in these workshops and and programs, we're going to look at our Enneagram, the Enneagram strengths or the strengths of each Enneagram type. And then we're going to look at some opportunities for improvement, some areas of development, you know, otherwise known as, you know, weaknesses. Um, I've tried never to say that because I don't know that that's accurate. Um, but what I thought is that, you know, it's, they're not separate. Um, it's really, it, it, it's, it's not, they're not siloed. It's not like, oh, here's the strengths and here's the opportunities for growth. Um, it's more of a sliding scale. Like this is what looks like when you have your, your energy really dialed in, it shows up as a strength. And this is what it might look like when you're overusing that strength or when you have it all the way dialed up in a situation that's only requiring a level two. You're, you're, you're over here at a level 10 and we might need a level 10 sometimes. So don't put out the fire. We want to keep that. You want to keep your fire. You want to keep the thing that makes you you, the thing that lights your strengths, your unique strengths. Um, but we want to make sure that when needed, you know, we got it dialed in, whether that is whoever a specific person in front of us, we might need to change the dial. It might be um, a specific meeting or situation, a conversation, um, you know, a particular project that we're working on. And so just to be aware, okay, where, where do I need to be dialed in at? And so this episode will look at what, where you really thrive when you're dialed in one specific situation, one of many. And then next week we'll look at what does that look like when it's overused. And you might've heard me use the analogy of, of a knife. Uh, we'll talk about this sometimes in the workshops too, where it's, you know, a knife is a knife, but it's, are you using the knife to cut up a delicious meal for your family and friends or is it being used as a murder weapon? The knife is the knife. And so that's kind of what it what this is. So we're going to look at kind of both sides of the coin. I'll look at the scale strengths and then when they're overused. And I really like that, that idea, that concept of overuse of strengths because it is, it is a strength. It's just sometimes we might dial it too far up <laughs> sometimes and, and that, that may give us some, some problems. So with that, um, we're going to talk about this episode and then come back and listen to next week episode where we're, where we'll get into part two. So we're going to start with our type one. And uh, our type one tends to really shine when they are setting and following procedures. Their strengths include being really detail-oriented. They have a high level of integrity, um, very achievement-oriented. That's some some three energy right there. A lot of focus on processes, both, like I said, um, setting them and following them. And they tend to have a really logical rational way of thinking, which leads them, puts them in 
this perfect position to be setting and following procedures and, and really shine at it. They're, they might enjoy it, I, w- I would guess, and they're going to be really good at it. Um, we'll talk more about what that might look like when it's all the way turned up um, next week. And just as a reminder, our type one um, is the type that is striving to feel perfect. We have our type two who is striving to feel connected. Um, They tend to really shine when they can help others shine. So um, I used to have... Well, I still do. I have these Enneagram mugs that I made, um, the, you know, kind of the new ideas type seven in me, uh, went on a little bender. I I think it's been about two years ago and, uh, I just played around. I made these, these mugs and I, I love them. They're more so for gifts now, but, um, I had on the type two mug, there's one side is some common descriptor words. And then the other side is just kind of a little, little saying. And I got some feedback that the type two one needed to be updated. And originally I had had reading people is my superpower because twos tend to really see people. They tend to really empathize and, and really understand what somebody is going through and then what do they need? And then they're there to help and, 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 you know, help them solve that problem or meet that need. Um, but I heard from a two and said, I don't know that this hits. I don't know that this hits like it would if it was something about what we just said. When you help others thrive, I feel really good. And so we changed it to bringing out the best in others. And I have heard from other twos that that hits a little better. And so that's that kind of you know, that, that guide, that authority behind the throne, um, behind the curtain, not that they don't have, they want, not that they don't want to be in charge, um, or lead from the front. They absolutely can, but they really shine when they are helping others shine. Uh, they have that empathy. They have that, um, really nurturing energy, wanting to build relationships. They're striving to feel connected. And that also means um, not just them feeling connected and wanting to be connected, but they also have a strength of connecting others who need to be connected or who would benefit from connecting. And they get joy from from making those connections. Um, They tend to have a kind of coaching approach to their leadership, uh, maybe more so than some of the other styles, uh, like authoritarian or, or dictative, uh, a leadership style, they're kind of going to be more of that coach. Um, and they like to be recognized and, and they enjoy being able to recognize others. So they thrive when they're helping others thrive. Um, our type three is striving to feel outstanding and they shine when they are pursuing their goals because they're going to, they're going to hit their goals. When they have a goal there, you can, you can count on them to hit it. And and they tend to enjoy going after it. Um, they tend to, they, they almost need, I'm going to say they tend to enjoy, they almost need a goal, um, to get them motivated, to give them some clarity, to give them some direction. Otherwise it's just kind of what's the point of doing this. Um, and, and, 
they make it look easy. They make it look a little easy. Um, they tend to be very action oriented, very achievement oriented, very focused on the task. So sometimes threes and sevens get mistyped. We've talked about that. Um, not that sevens can't be task oriented, but, but threes are going to be able to kind of have a goal, see into the future, um, and then know how to actually make it happen. What are the things on the list that need to, what needs to be on the list? And then they're going to love checking those off until they get to that goal. Um, they tend to also, while doing it, just look really polished. And like I said, kind of make it look easy. Um, they tend to be very diplomatic with their approach you know, as they're pursuing their goals, um, they're going to bring that, you know, diplomatic approach and, and look really polished doing it. So they are going to shine when they're pursuing their goals. Now, as we're going through this, obviously we're always kind of thinking, where do I fit into this? Does that resonate with what I know about myself and my type? Does that fit? Um, but also, as you're thinking about this, especially as a manager or as a teammate, uh, be thinking about those in your life and and are there ways for you to step into roles or projects or situations that will um, kind of accentuate where you shine really to allow you to really shine um, and use your strengths in these specific situations? And um, are there opportunities that you can give to those that you may be leading um, where they can really shine? Is there maybe a, you know, a, a, a side project or a different piece of a project or an, an opportunity um, that they could take on Um and be able to really kind of step into the light where they do shine. Okay. So our fours, as we know, may or may not know, are striving to feel unique and they're really going to thrive in creative environments. And this doesn't mean that just because you're creative, you're a four, but fours tend to be just very naturally creative, naturally, um, visionary, insightful, um, you know, they, they put up whether it's complete originality or they're putting a creative twist on something that's already been there when they have an opportunity to allow that to come out, they're really going to thrive. And again, I want to be clear that we're talking about when someone's really thriving, when they're in the flow. And I don't know that it's realistic to think that we're always going to be in the flow at work, that everything that we work on, we're going to be thriving in. Um, you know, for me, updating, you know, my accounting and, and uh, organizing spreadsheets sometimes can be incredibly draining. Organizing travel uh, can be exhausting for me at times. And I know that might sound silly to some of you, but it's all these little details and thinking about how these pieces um, come together. I can do it, right? I have to do it. I can absolutely do it. I wouldn't say I'm thriving, right? And so that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about what you're, what you can and can't do, um, what you're necessarily excellent at, what you shouldn't be doing. It's where are you really thriving? And not to do that 100% of the time, but are there an opportunities for you to do more of it? Um, let's see here. Our type fours, when they're allowed to be creative. 
um, when they're allowed to put their, their positive spin on things, when they're in this environment that breeds creativity, that not just allows for it, but, but breeds it. And it might actually be, um, the, it might be the people, it might be the company culture, um, but it also might be the physical space, the physical environment that they're in. When they're in that sort of space, they're really going to thrive. Um, so be thinking, if this is you, be thinking about what are some actual environments that make you feel creative, um, that allow you to for your strengths to really come out. Our type fives are striving to feel detached or self-sufficient. Um, something that I'm going to be talking more about is kind of the methodology or the framework to the Enneagram that we use here at Enneagram MBA. And um, this particular uh, content today is coming from the Awareness to Action Enneagram framework. Um, I'm actually in the wrapping up on, on the tail end of a certification program that they have put out. I am loving it that I don't want to get sidetracked today, but um, I'm really excited to tell you more about it, what it means um, to you as the listener, um, what I'm learning about applying the Enneagram at work and making it both interesting, but also making it useful. And so one of the many things that you may have heard me change over the last year are some of the descriptions for the types and the awareness to action framework uses this striving to feel detached for our type five. And we've talked about that in past episodes. So um, feel free to, to look back on that or just reach out and ask me. I'm happy to, to talk to you about that. Um, but we're just going to, we're going to just going to use that as our foundation for today. So striving to feel detached. Um, our fives really shine when they're figuring things out. They tend to be really objective, uh, also very insightful and, and creative, but in like a problem-solving kind of way. Um, they tend to gather information and data and enjoy analyzing. And so they're bringing all of these strengths together. And in these situations where they have an opportunity to figure something out, they're really going to thrive. They're going to figure it out. Uh, and, and most likely, they're going to enjoy doing it. Our type sixes are striving to feel secure. And they tend to shine when they're anticipating problems. And that may sound negative at first glance um, or first hearing, whatever whatever that saying is, um, but it is such a superpower and it comes so natural for sixes. And I think from what I hear, they, they enjoy it. They're, they enjoy that it just comes natural. It's like, okay, this is the plan. And then they just immediately start thinking, okay, what might go wrong? And then let's get, not just Debbie Downer, what might go wrong, but okay, I'm going to start contingency planning. And that in itself is kind of another 
way to be creative, um, creatively contingency planning, right? We need that. Um, and that is such a superpower. And our, our sixes tend to, you know, be very responsible, um, very dutiful. They are persistent. Um, they have a lot of integrity. They have this, um, vigilance about them. And so when you're combining some of those strengths, you get this ability to really anticipate problems, to assess the risk, to assess the threats. And we need that. Um, We all need a little dose of that as an individual trying to survive in the world, right? And then our teams and our organizations absolutely need that. Our type sevens, are striving to feel excited and they really shine when they have an opportunity to energize other people. So they tend to bring a lot of energy. They tend to bring this uh, vision casting, future orientation, um, optimism, what's possible, you know, what, what potential is out there um, to their teams, to their organizations, to their projects. And so when you can kind of harness some of those strengths and allow it to be used in in different ways, and I don't know specifically what this might be for you if you happen to be a type seven or if you happen to be managing or leading a type seven, but where are some opportunities where they can really energize people, um, sell people ideas, bring them along. Um, you know, salesmanship is another, uh, strength of a seven and doesn't mean that all sevens need to be in sales, um, or that we're, you know, strictly selling products. It's we're selling ideas, right? We're influencing others. We're getting people excited about a new direction, about a new initiative, about a new project. So where on your team, if you happen to be a seven, um, can you take on more of those opportunities or give those opportunities to the sevens on your team? Type eight, striving to feel powerful. They really shine when the going gets tough and not that they necessarily want a challenge, uh, to take on at all times, but when they are in the heat of the moment, in the middle of a challenge, they really do. They step up, they thrive. They, they are bringing their confidence. They have this natural leadership ability. Um, they tend to be really focused. They can also be really inspiring. They're bringing this ability to be direct and concise and, and package all of that and really show up and really shine when the going gets tough. And then last but not least, when we have our type nines striving to feel at peace, inner peace and outer peace, um, they really shine when they are helping people feel comfortable. Um, Type nines are incredible leaders. They tend to... um, there tends to be a lot of type nine leaders uh, because they have this ability, well, for a lot of reasons, but one of them is their ability to uh, build consistency, co- not consistency, consensus um, among the team, among the different departments, among the organization as a whole. Um, and, and they do so by bringing composure, 
and calmness and consistency and this ability to maybe give feedback and give direction, but in a, in a non-offensive way. And they tend to be pretty adaptable. And we've talked about their ability to be really inclusive, to see all sides. So again, you're packaging these strengths of a nine, um, some of the many strengths of a nine. And then you can put it in this situation where they really shine, one of many, again, one of many situations where they shine, where they're helping people feel comfortable. And so think about what that might look like for you on a team or what that might look like for a nine on your team. Where can they take on more responsibilities or be put in more situations where they're able to shine and thrive in these situations where they're helping others feel comfortable? So that concludes part one of this series. And then, um, Next week, like I said, we'll be looking at, okay, what does it look like when these strengths that we've talked about today for each of the types, what does it look like when they're overused? What are some some of specific situations? Um, what does that look like for each of these? So I think next week, um, I'm saying this so I'll, re- I'll remember, we'll start at type nine next week and go around. So we're not, uh, I think last couple times I've covered the the types, we started with the one. So um, we'll start with the nine next week, looking at overusing strengths. And as a reminder, we are planning for 2024 Enneagram experiences, whether that is a half day with your team in a workshop style, whether it is the kickoff of a year-long program where we are getting into all things, not just Enneagram, uh, but really, really pairing emotional intelligence with Enneagram principles, and then your specific team dynamics um, to create a really customized and, again, useful experience for your specific organization. Um, Would love to hear from you. Reach out over at EnneagramMBA.com. With that, um, thanks for being here, and I will see you back here next week.